Monday, Monday, fun day. Jarrell attempts to topple the doppel this week on The Hapless Heroes. Jarrell, I'm sorry. I can't heal you right now. And I can't see either. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Hapless Heroes podcast. I'm Francesco, and tonight I'm going to be your host and DM as we continue this exciting, this most, uh, why, did I run, why did I run out of adjectives already at exciting? <laughs> Welcome back, Fran. <laughs> episode of combat of the Hapless Heroes. <laughs> This most episode of episodes. Yes. <laughs> I have a wonderful cast of characters joining me. You know them. You love them. They are, to my left, Dave as Zero, Valen's Avatar of War. Hey there. Mike as Lord and Captain Quinn Southwind. Where is these doppels? Nicole as Boris the Butcher. Climbing and climbing and climbing. Phil as Hedrick the Entertainer. Quinn, what did you say? And John, as Lord Jarrell the Light. I'm going to hit myself so hard. <laughs> so, yeah, speaking of Jarrell hitting himself really hard, last week, obviously, we were embroiled in combat. This is a part something, something or other. So I'm not going to bother with the recap. You're probably just following this up from last week. But there's a battle with Zero and Jarrell, I guess, a Jarrell doppelganger with some crazy spacious dome that's surrounding them and blocking them access to the rest of the top of the spire room there. You have the rest of the party slowly but surely making their way up to provide the assist, but not before Jarrell's doppelganger is able to get a bunch of swings in and hurt Jarrell pretty badly. And then we have this strange glowing light, like almost like a distant star that continues to grow closer and closer. Now, now instead of just a ball, a ball with these two beams of light stretching out from the top and bottom of it. And we're going to open right back up into initiative, starting with... Boris. So can Boris hear any of the noises that are going on? No. How many doors are in this room that Boris just walked into? So you guys had put to sleep all of the people on the previous floor. They managed to get over them. Opening the door up, it goes up a little, little ways. There's a landing and then a door to your right that would open into I mean where we in the audience know as where Jarrell and Zero are however to you it is just a closed door 
Right, and this one has a handle, correct? Yes. Yes, and Boris dives up and grabs the handle. It is stuck fast. She pulls harder. (laughs) No budge. She, like a cartoon, puts her feet up on the wall and pulls the handle as hard as she possibly can. It does not open. She does not stop anyway and waits for somebody else to have a better idea. Yeah, certainly Hedrick has been perplexed as soon as he entered this place and his magic hasn't been working. Uh, He really had no solution for the people downstairs and he, he panicked in that moment. So he just wants to try to firmly grasp it and see whether or not anything is different and push or pull. Which one, push or pull? He'll try to push first, and then he'll try to pull it. It doesn't budge either way. Okay. I only asked to be an asshole. It was not going to work. Yeah. I was like, mean. (laughs) Uh, There's no uh, keyhole. There's nothing. Just a handle to it. There is no keyhole. That is correct. Captain, you got any bright ideas? No. Tried uh, no- I, we, as I say, we've I, tried nothing and we're all out of ideas. I twist, I try to twist the handle. So it's a pull, like handle, and no, it does not twist. Does it shout? It does not shout. What about shaking it up? <laughs> Bop it. Yeah. Twist it. <laughs> 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 Oh, I really hope that there is, a, and there's probably enough members of our audience that do understand what that is. <laughs> Anyways. Of course, investigates the door a little further, like looks around it. Yeah, I'll make that the last thing. I'll make, the, I'll make that the last thing that happens here. Go ahead and make me an investigation check. Twenty-one. There appears to be the faintest of magical auras on this door. Boris kicks the door. We'll get back to that. (laughs) Zero. Zero is going to uh, not mess with the formula and continue to do the shooting. That's two attacks instead of three, so that I make sure that I'm still tracking the right target. That sounds good to me. And the first one is going to be, let's see, is that, is that 24 against AC. That, uh, that beats it. Yes, because uh, we'd established 23 matches. Mm-hmm. Yep. But this 22 won't quite get the job done. So it's a single D10 plus six. And it's good for 11 piercing. 11 piercing. And zero, zero will continue to circle to that far opposite end of the room where the uh, light and the lines are. At least I want to be near it. Yeah, I mean, near it would be like pretty much behind the doppelganger of Jarrell. 
Yeah, that's fine. I don't mind being behind the doppelganger of Jarrell. It means I get to shoot it in the back. Okay. We're going to then move on to Jarrell. Um, continuing to hit himself really hard, just like he promised. Uh, yep, a 31. Oh, man, so close. I ha- I just can't get the crit. <clears throat> um, 32. Uh, a 31 and a 32? Yes. God damn. <laughs> My crit is obviously a 33. God damn, I say. All right, uh, two divine smites, which makes it uh, six D8. Uh, that is a total of 45 damage. Holy shit. Jarrell. <gasps> I got him. <laughs> <laughs> what does it look like? When you um, when you deal the final blow to your doppelganger, it's totally like Luke and Darth Vader on <laughs> Dagobah, except for I can already see my own face. <laughs> um, I stab him in the chest and then cut his head off. Sounds good. As the lifeless body of your doppelganger drops to its knees and hits the ground. Its right hand, you see, begins to again glow with that greenish, sort of like almost like it's almost like smoke now coming off of it. Greenish, it, almost smoke now. <laughs> oh, I hate you. Um, <laughs> like and 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 now like the it's right like oh it's like for, almost like from fingertip to elbow glowing mm-hmm. green mm-hmm. and the gauntlet just dissolves and you're and you and you're left seeing what looks like a withered hand and arm like i'm like like skinny as hell like there's almost no muscle or fat to be seen just and just wrinkled flesh that's almost like it's like almost a like dark brown like and reddish color and the hand itself detaches from the corpse and scampers off and you see it jump and go through the barrier of like darkness and space. Okay, I'm gonna try to follow it. If it's still my turn. You bonk your head on the huh. uh, <laughs> on the barrier here. Okay. Um, we're gonna briefly drop from initiative. So, what I'm gonna describe to everybody here: Zero and Jarrell, you are staring at the lifeless body of Doppelganger Jarrell, with its head minus one head and one hand. Yeah, minus one head and one hand. The head is, you know, has been separated and is lying on the floor. However, Quinn. Hedrick and, and uh, Boris see when you uh, it just a, a closed a closed door with a magic barrier. Oh, Jarrell, do you care to show me your hands? 
for the briefest of moments. Of course, Jarrell would show him his hands, recognizing what he's looking for. Oh, all right. We're good. Woo. <laughs> um, <laughs> Quinn, Quinn attempts to um, cast Dispel Magic on the door. Sure. What level? Uh, it would just be third level. Okay. So it's just kind of a. Um, yeah, I understand how it works. I'm just so you're cast. You're casting it at third level. Yeah. So he just kind of like waves his hand and he goes, "Be gone." Make me a charisma check. Since that is your spell casting ability, am I right? Yes. Yes. Fifteen. Yep. That's exactly what you needed. Oh, <clears throat> good. The, Feeling good in the neighborhood. The barrier removes itself from the door. Cool. Is removed. Is is forcibly removed from the door. I should say. Quinn, you are unstoppable. I know. The door is still closed. I mean, I attempt Wait, to actually, hold on. Does, I was going to say, is Boris still, like, feet on the wall, like, or did you stop after Hedrick tried? Uh, Boris had stopped because she had come off the wall to check it and then kicked it after she figured out it was magic. So at that point, she would have been standing on the ground uh, in front yes. of it. Yeah, when you kicked it, you felt, uh, like, like that force barrier that would just recoil your foot back into, you know, into place. All right. But yeah, I guess door. being right in front of it there, she would then try to pop it open once the barrier dispelled. Okay. The door opens and you are staring at literal blackness. Just like, almost like you open the door and it's just a, it's just black. No light, no color. Hedrick will reach his arm through. Um, Zero and Jarrell, you see an arm reaching through the barrier at the opposite side of where this glowing light is. Um, Jarrell, how far away from it am I? I, I oh, I'm we're not in initiative, so I you're can make 20, my way over. You're 25 it. feet away from it, yeah. Yeah, so I can run over, grab the arm, and pull it through relatively and violently. You, <laughs> and you pull, you violently pull Hedrick into this bubble. Don't with you. Uh, and now you can hear moment. everything. Yeah. Seeing Hedrick get pulled into the blackness, uh -huh. Boris pulls out her dagger and dives in, like, ready to attack whatever just grabbed him. So, okay. like, goes to attack, but not immediately stab Jarrell, but goes to, like, grab him. Yeah, so you just, like, action roll in there. Yeah. Well, okay. and like go to like actually like I guess grapple him basically. Yeah, and then you realize it's Jarrell. And then Quinn and slowly left. come out of grapple. <laughs> and Quinn left alone in this this doorway. Aw, oh, hell! He takes his rapier out and charges through. Okay, you're in the bubble. Now the five of you are all together again. Jarrell looks a little injured. Zero looks. Me barely injured. 
Um, and you guys are in sort of this weird sort of dome of just what looks to be like the darkness of space with one like very prominently glowing like orb, you know, with that with those like trails, the top and bottom of it, um, growing ever larger in your field of view on the opposite side of where you entered. Um, it's, will it's actually it's it is oddly quiet in here as well. Like there's you can literally hear the flickering of the candles. It's so silent. Yeah, Jarrell will like turn that. to the group and say, uh, nice of you to finally join us. Um, not exactly certain how we get out of here, um, but Jarrell will start walking towards um, that light. Okay, now the rest of you also see the corpse of Jarrell on the floor. <laughs> With a missing head. Yeah. <laughs> Quinn just keeps his rapier up at the ready but doesn't move Boris again goes full cartoon and looks at the living Jarell and then the headless Jarell and then the living and then the headless and then the living the headless the living the headless the living the headless and then zero just very confused looking Hedrick's Hedrick glances down sees sees the corpse and is only staring at the Jarell who is standing uh, and he's backing away a little, you know, slowly. Good news, everyone. Jarrell sorted out his doppelganger issues. <laughs> well, that's great. That's great. I'm, I'm, I'm happy for you. Uh, so, so what happened up here? Where is the arch cleric? Like, weren't you supposed to be talking to somebody? What the hell is this, Jarrell? Still Have you guys unclear. ever been here? Question real quick. Have any of you in IRL been inside like a Faraday cage? No. Maybe not. Like incredibly sound. Not one big enough to actually be in. Okay. Like an incredibly sound treated room where like it's like you have like almost like it's like you know, like all the foam spikes in the walls. Like, so it's like like we're talking about like no sound reflects at all in the space at all. That's what oh, it's been in like. the sound booth. We're talking more intense than that. Like if you can, if absolute silence existed, that's the space that like you were. Like the no existing. sound chambers. So you're noticing now, especially as like the sounds of battle and stuff like that have calmed down. Like the the dialogue you're having together, it almost feels like you can feel almost this this muffle or this this sort of this tampering down of like this the ambient like sound of your voice traveling. It's it's uncomfortable. While the guys are talking, Boris walks over to the head, scooping out the helmet that matches Jarrell's identical helmet, picks it up off the ground, shakes it once to get the head out, making a like sound yep. as the head hits the ground, and then puts the helmet on. It's very heavy. Like your head sags and sinks at the, under the weight of this helmet. It's also way too large for you. Like wobbling with this giant helmet on. Make me a strength check. Oh, Eighteen? Yeah, you managed to keep your balance. It's uh, pretty gross in here, though. It smells terrible. 
Boris is committed for at least 30 more seconds before taking the helmet off, <laughs> trying to be subtle about it. <laughs> yeah, um, now, now, now that the head has slid out of the helmet, it is, I mean, like, it looks exactly like Jarrell. In, in the meantime, Jarrell uh, has made his way. He's get, he, how long, like, as he walks towards that light, does he actually reach the the light area? You reach where, the edge of you reach the edge of the dome. Where, like, as far as I can actually make it, but not touching the light. Correct. Like, if you were, if you are you reaching your hand out to try to touch it? Hmm. Yeah, it, it, you just touch almost like what feels like this, like a, just like a completely smooth, like like barrier. So like your hand is over, you can obscure it, you know, kind of obscure the light a little bit from like well, at least you know from your vision, but like anyone looking at you can see right around it. It's like this, like right. it's almost like you're touching nothing to them. Uh, Jarrell continues to make his way like around <clears throat> the dome area and say, mm -hmm. uh, "The arch cleric or whatever that thing is." I don't believe it's the arch cleric, really. Uh, he cast this dome upon us to force us to fight that thing. Uh, as he's explaining to the group kind of what happened. That fucking sucks. <laughs> <laughs> we got to the top of the stairs and all there was was blackness and, and, and you pulled me through. We didn't even get a chance to see the, the top of this thing. I mean, where the hell are we right now? Do any of you have any dispelled magic? Yes, I, I, I can do that. I'm sure if I concentrate, I, I might be able to put a dent in this thing, but I've never dispelled anything like this before. Daryl's not feeling any creases or anything. As Nothing. He, like, yeah. Completely smooth. Patrick's trying to strum, and he's he's increasingly frustrated that his sense of hearing is muffled and augmented, and he knows what he's playing is correct, but he's not hearing his notes. Uh, you hear them, but they don't resonate. Yeah. Zero, by the um, way, loves this and wants to steal this technology for every lab he owns. Hedrick will at least try to cast a Cure Wounds onto Jarrell. Oh, okay. Hold on. Oh, I god rolled. damn it. <laughs> I, rolled, I rolled a magic number. Please confetti. Please confetti. A wild Modron appears. <laughs> oh my god. A vendor selling hot dogs. That's <laughs> yeah, not that kind of random table. Hold on. <laughs> you are bathed in the light of a thousand suns. <laughs> I don't like that. Uh, okay, so this is not going to be as funny for you as it would be for some of the other members of the party, but what I rolled on this corrupted magic table, you lose all benefit of dark vision for four days. Oh, since you do not have dark, since you do not have dark vision, you are considered blinded for this duration. Oh, oh God, I'm blind. How many, days, 
Hedrick, as as you as you begin to as you try to cast a spell, you feel the darkness of this like vacuous space, you know, that's projected around you like fill your vision. And now like as you like all you can see now is just this empty void of space when you open your eyes. For how long? Four days unless removed by other means. Damn it! Javril, I'm sorry. I can't heal you right now. And I can't <laughs> see either. And you can barely hear. <laughs> and he just like he just like gets on his knees, he puts his puts his hands down, he's like feeling feeling useless without his voice and without his music. Um, Jarrell feels awful for this, but I'm sorry, Hedrick, there's nothing I can do to help you right now. Um, and there, there very well may be some things he can do, but he's used all his lay on hands. Who said that? <laughs> and Jarrell is like touching your face like, it's me, it's me, Hedrick. <laughs> ah! uh, so he's, he's feeling this, this armor of this like hand on his face. Right. Uh, Quinn, Quinn casts Lesser Restoration. On Hedrick? On, on Hedrick, yeah. That was the exact spell you needed to cast. Hedrick, your vision is restored. Hold on, actually, let me roll a d20. No, not the magic number, you're fine. Also very much down in spell slots at this point. Um, I thought I should have announced that to the DM. Quinn! Oh, my God. Make sure you write that shit down, okay? Thank you. Yeah, your vision Jarell is like kind of slowly returning to normal. You're, you're frustrated, Jarrell, is that right? Uh, and you know what he starts to do. Um, and it's worked out well in the past. So uh, <laughs> Jarrell will try to swing his sword of justice at the um, barrier. So what happens when you swing it is that as the blade reaches the edge of where this barrier is, you can almost feel it like trying to slice through as you're just almost dragging this across the barrier through like the power of your swing, but it just slows you down tremendously to the point where it doesn't even seem to tear or break anything at all. You don't even hear a clang or anything like that. It's just almost as if like you're just like, you're almost swinging through air, but then it just slows down. You can, you're met with a resistance, but you can't. Yeah, you cannot penetrate. Any ideas? Zero. Zero would like to investigate that line and circle. Yeah, like this, 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 this bright, bright light. Yes, continue. Yeah. To, please investigate it. Simple investigation check here, and that is going to be an eighteen. Yeah. So if you kind of like. If you if you try to like obscure it in certain ways, just to kind of like get it, just maybe you see if maybe the, the 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 brightness of it can be tampered down a little bit or tapered a bit. Um, you can almost see like at this in the center of this bright light, like this tiny little speck of darkness. Now this is growing larger and larger. You know, as time is going on here, and as you guys are like just kind of stuck in this little dome. Look, I mean, it literally looks like you are. It, it is getting closer. Yeah, this is probably not a good sign, folks. 
as it gets closer and closer, some of the other dim stars in the background glow brighter. So, like the like you can just see that just the whole landscape kind of shift a bit. You know, this sort of nebulous gas starts to like you know fill in certain par- parts of the dome to kind of create you know an additional like scape of colors. And what you can see as this light grows brighter, now it's probably the size of like a beach ball. Um, that 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 speck of darkness is actually visible. It almost like looks like it's like there's like a flat center, jagged, pointed bottom, and then a jagged but like much more thinly pointed top. And it grows. You mean like teeth? No. Okay. No. Almost like uh, like like waves or like you know like like spikes in like a wave, if you're talking about like a saw wave um, or a square wave even. Time, you know. But then as it gets a little closer, you can actually make it out that it almost looks like it's a, like that's, that, that flat center is like a, is a base of like, like terrain. And underneath it is like, what looks to be like rock and dirt that's like falling and floating. And above it is a city. And these beams of light are shooting from top to bottom, straight through it. A city, Tarantis. you say? <laughs> <laughs> recognized it as Tarantis. It's make me a make me an investigation check. Gonna be history, based on sure. the city landscape of. Uh, yeah, city. that place is history, all right. Sure. Hard to tell. It's definitely a city, though. That skyline is vaguely familiar. Right. And once this ball becomes so large that it's almost taking up like the entire section from like your like 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 eye like eye level to the floor, you can definitely make it out to be Tarantus in ruin with that gigantic beam of just pure magic you know, coming out from the center of it, up up towards the infinite, and downwards out the bottom. And it's just floating in space. Infinite. Floating in space. And at that moment, you also see a massive, withered left hand almost grasp it from underneath. And like... Like this, this, this circle, this like you know, claw, like of, of, of fingers surrounds it. And if you look above you, you see the visage of Vecna, gigantic, overwhelming you with dread. Jarl is not afraid because he's not capable. The visage of Vecna itself, I mean, you can, you can, you know, you finally see Vecna in his absolute truest form. Just a... You've never seen before. That is correct. It is just a large skull with, with jewels set into, set into it in the forehead and in the, uh, in one in the left eye socket. Wearing a crown 
a golden crown with a single red gem set to the center. Around his bony neck and rib cage, there is what appears to be a sh- like you know these like these these gold almost like um, brooches that are holding a shadowy cloak floating off his back, but it seems to be kind of floating in uh, off of him and through him as well, as if it's like you know not even corporeal at all. You can see in his right hand the hand itself is missing and instead it's just glowing sort of spectral blue and in his right in his uh, his left hand he holds you know this this ball containing you know of light containing the city of Tarantis and you and if a skeleton could smile could twist its face into a smile it looks down at you and smiles and you can hear this this horrible, just just this evil cackle, like ah 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 ah, just echo in a room that, or in a space that you know could not carry sound. It overwhelms your senses, and in an instant, the fist closes around the ball of light that is Tarantus, and the dome you are in is now dark. Well, that was unpleasant. I mean, I would cast a spell, but shit, I don't know how many of my senses I can afford to lose today. What in the hell? Doris lights a candle. Yeah, I mean, a candle is lit. You can see each other. It's just that you are literally surrounded on all sides by just darkness. Like there's almost like it almost feels like they're like the space that you exist in has no dimensions. The floor above you, the ceiling, right? Like everything. You are just in a dark, vacuous space. Um Jarrell has the helmet on, and the entire group can hear him say, Verlin, guide me. Uh, and he's praying in this helmet. Not again, not necessarily expecting a response, but hoping for one. starts faint it almost sounds as though there is a voice trying to respond to you but it is fighting for every word and the only word you can make out is are you there Uh, and Jarrell immediately drops to his knees and looks straight up the the, the response you the, the response you received before still sort of echoes in your in your in your in your mind. It's it sounded pained. It sounded faint. It sounded like it was literally fighting for that breath to even speak the word. Um, Jarrell turns to zero and pulls out the candle of invocation. Um, and he says, uh, "Our lady." Look, Lady Valen sounds like she's in pain. Do we bring her here? What 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 do we risk? I think I think we're at the risk anything point. Um Jarrell jumps to his feet and grabs the candle from Boris. 
and lights the candle of invocation. What I will say is that the initially, when that candle, now this is not necessarily the intent of the in use of the candle of invocation, but this could be special because I don't care. This is awesome. <laughs> Usually a candle is associated to a particular god. However, it's been kind of implied that many, if not all, of the old gods are dead. Yes. As this candle lights, you can see that the flame flickers and like almost is acting erratically. Like it's it's like almost spinning around the candle. Like and like just and just creating these like shoots of flame off the top. As it you know appears to be trying to connect to right the deity that this was bound to. And you can see that then the flame gets very dim. Almost to like just that little, you know, that little blue dot, right? Of just, it's barely a flame. And then the entire candle is engulfed and melts all the way down to its base. And the flame, that tiny little flame that it creates, it's probably about a foot and a half tall. Shapes itself into the image of Valen. And it stands there, or I'm sorry, it's it's actually, and she's actually kneeling. You can see, like, you know, like left knee up, left arm slung over the shoulder, right arm up, clutching a sword that's been thrust into the ground. And she's looking up at you, Jarell. Jarell is on his knees. There are tears in his eyes since this is the first time he's seen her since the Battle of Last Wall. She's tiny. (laughs) <laughs> You're much smaller than no, <laughs> um, Verlin, it's it's you finally. Guide me to assist you, please. You see that you know there's a pause and you see that the, the figure, you know, this visage of Valen stands up and two you know, a set a set of wings you know, fiery wings sprout from her back. She lifts her sword into the air and just thrusts herself towards, you know, the just blackness. And you can see her pierce just a piece of that, you know, barrier. And a tiny little crack forms that begins to spread like a crack on a windshield, just slowly piercing. And as this light fills in the gap, and the crack grows longer and larger and the actual gap, you know, and fissure that it's created begins to spread and all you can see is light and then it keeps spreading and spreading until this dark, you know, blackness that you are in shatters and there you are standing back in the top of the spire you know, that red carpeted floor that leads all the way up to that raised dais with the arch cleric standing there, arms folded. And the visage and flame that was Valen disappears. Uh, the second Jarrell sees the arch cleric, he just goes, You 
and he pulls the sword of justice again uh, and attempts to move forward towards him to strike him. And he says, not so fast. Make me a constitution saving throw, Jarrell. Wi- sorry, wisdom saving throw. Okay, I, I still make these at advantage because of the sword of ju- the Holy Avenger, right? Me and everybody within 10 feet of me. While you hold the drawn sword, it creates a 10 foot radius. You and all friendly creatures have advantage on saving throws against spells and other magical effects. Yes. Cool. Okay, you are making this wisdom saving throw with advantage. Ah, much better. Um, 27. Oh, hot damn. A wisdom save at 27? I have a plus nine for saves. Oh, because I say your wisdom is usually shit. I don't know why that one's checked. It just is. (laughs) Uh, It's because you have bonuses that apply to it. So that's good. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yes. So you feel as like, you know, it almost feels like, you know, like your muscles were starting to constrict as he's trying to cast something on you, but you resist. Mm -hmm. And once more, and I know we're getting close to the end of this episode, (laughs) but we are going to roll for initiative. Yay. Okay. Zero, you manage to act first. Uh, Zero snaps Reason up to his shoulder and unleashes Hell while walking forward. Okay. Uh, That's going to be three attacks. First one without Sharpshooter. And that probably won't do it with a 15. No. All right. Second one also without Sharpshooter then. Hey, that's a 19 on the die, so we'll take that crit. Keep critting. And third one. is going to be an 18. Um, With that 18, you can see as a reaction, um, a shield is put up. Okay, so we'll resolve that crit, which is just 10 plus 7. That's 17, 18, 19, 20, 1, 2, 23 piercing damage. 23 piercing damage heard. All right, and uh, Zero will advance the full 30 feet walking speed with Reason uh, still shoulder named. Okay. That's the, and that'll be my economy there. Arch Cleric Bronson will act now. You can see in one hand, Arch, the Arch Cleric is holding a large staff, like gilded with like a you know gem set at the top and then like a gold like gold uh, symbol and it stakes it into the ground and you can see this like light wash out from the base of the staff coalesce into a soft but grim radiance of this sort of like purplish light in a 30 foot radius um, those of you within that, which I guess would be probably Jarell and Zero at this point, um, feel this almost like sense of dread. You feel like the power behind your attacks. You feel just like this. You feel weakened. 
Um, and while you are within this aura, you have disadvantage on all attack rolls against this target. Okay. Fair enough. And then, yes, as a legendary action, you see the, the arch cleric then pick up the staff and point it at the headless corpse of the doppelganger of Jarrell. And this like misty aura surrounds it and it stands up on its two feet with no head. Boris, it's your turn. Are either Jarrell or Zero within five feet of uh, Bronson? Not yet. Anybody within five feet of the doppelganger? Uh, yes. You, Hedrick, and Quinn. Perfect. Uh, I make a. Ooh, and I'm within five feet. I make a sneak attack uh, with my trusty dagger on the doppelganger. Okay. Twenty. Does not hit. As it is still wearing all of the armor it still had on before. Except the helmet. Except the helmet, and it is missing a hand. But it still has the shield. Anything else? Any bonus actions? You got a cunning action you want to use here? Uh, yeah. This whole this whole section up here is no larger than probably sixty feet in diameter. I hide behind Hedrick. Okay, you hide behind Hedrick. <laughs> Speaking of which, Hedrick, it's your turn. Uh, he's gonna rise to his feet and scan and see this crazed religious figure. You know, a person who he never met before, and now he sees the corruption has run so deep through this place that no wonder Jarrell cannot get any communication from his deity. The fact that the very temple has been corrupted to its core, it all makes sense to, to old Hedrick at this point. So he's just gonna try to cast Heat Metal as his first action on the staff, the Arch Cleric. Hmm. And okay. he wants to he wants to cast it at a higher level, recognizing uh, the stakes as they are. Um, <clears throat> I think I'll do a fifth level. Okay. So any creature in physical contact will take damage. So it takes damage, and then it has to do something, or else drop it, right? Yes, it's a Constitution saving throw. Otherwise, they drop. Uh, I'll just roll. I gotta get the the d8s. Here we go. Should be one d8 higher above second. So five, right? Five d8 at fifth level. It's how much at second level? Two. Yep. Awesome. Very good. Um, and that's is that regardless of whether they pass the save or not? 
It says, you cause an object to glow red hot. Any creature in physical contact within the object takes fire damage okay. when you cast the spell. Perfect. Take that and, then, and then it says, anything that's holding it now subsequently must make the saving throw. So that's 28 fire damage. Okay. It takes 28 fire damage. Um, however, it gets a 21 for the save. Okay, that passes the same. Right. So Bronson remains holding on to this glowing red hot staff. Okay, good. Take more damage next turn. Does heat metal require concentration? It does. Cool. I can still cast a bardic inspiration. Yep, that's your bonus um, action. Right? Okay. As a bonus action, I'd like to inspire Boris. And Hedrick pulls out his loot. Boris the Butcher, she burst on the scene. A bubble-blowing Baroness at the age of just 13. Boris the Butcher, she's the HBIC. Benevolent of Riverford, who set the offense free. Nice. You were inspired. It's a D10, right? <laughs> yes. You have a D10 of Bardic Inspiration to use. Ooh. Boris. What a great song. Thank you. <laughs> well done, Hedrick. Jarrell, it's your turn. Uh, is Jarrell close enough to hit him? Not yet, but you can be. I can reach him? Good. Gonna do that and hit him. Alright, all your attacks are at disadvantage. You are within this all two of them. holy or unholy aura. First one's not going to hit. Oh, it was a 19, too. <laughs> um, so uh, a 17 won't hit, right? 17 matches. Oh, so I do hit. Right? Yeah. Oh, wow. Uh-huh. Oh, I wasn't expecting that. Uh, full tilt. <laughs> <laughs> Fourth level Divine Smite on that one. Um... Along with You know what? I'll just do that for now. Um fourth level divine smite and then the second hit. Oh, Nat 20. Not gonna get a Nat 20. I still hit him with an 18, but it's not a it's not the crit that I was looking for the whole damn time. And that'll be a third level. And you know what? I might as well add the thunderous smite to that one. So I'm hoping we can just end him. I wish it would have gotten that crazy. <laughs> 50 radiant damage. Plus 25 slashing. Which puts me at 75 already. Plus 3 thunder damage. And then he has to make uh, a strength save or get pushed back and prone 10 feet. I guess 17. Yeah, that's 19 on the die. Okay, so he doesn't he doesn't get pushed back, but he still takes 78 damage. Yep. Definitely laid a uh, a beating on him, but he's still standing. Yeah. And that's gonna take us to Quinn. Okay, so Quinn. 
first. Now, I guess I, I just want to make sure I, I, I'm clear as the player in how this works. So I would like to use Fairy Fire to give advantage on all attacks on this guy. Blessing, that would then cancel I'm... out the disadvantage, correct? Yes, so it wouldn't give advantage. It would just create a right. level playing field. Perfect. So, so yes. I advantage. first cast Fairy Fire on this guy. On, on Bronson? Okay, what's, on Bronson. Uh, what's the save? Uh, dexterity saving throw. That's a net one. Yeah. <laughs> All right, that is a that is a first level spell, by the way. I was really not expecting that to work. So, because <laughs> cool. so, uh, it's pretty much all I have in my repertoire. Very little chance of succeeding, and you you got that chance right there. I did it. All right. So, because that succeeded, I am now going to plow forward uh, and attack him with an action surge with my rapier. Okay. We're going to hope for the best here. Nope, not going to work. So that's a 13. And I am going to remind you that I have taken, which I haven't actually used, I don't think, since I took it, like, probably a year ago. I I took the feat Mage Slayer. So because I'm five feet within him, um... I can take a reaction anytime he casts a spell. And he also has disadvantage on concentration. Cool. I also have an advantage. Oh, I advantage I have advantage on saving so I think I already have that. Yeah, for me. And that's my turn. Okay. Well done, Quinn. Well, bringing us to the top of initiative, I feel like is as good a place as any to put a pin in this oh, combat. No, it's not. <laughs> as you can see, that Bronson begins to pick up the staff and start waving it now because he realizes he's going to have to adjust his strategy. Or the DM is going to have to adjust his plan. <laughs> Don't oh, and I have, to do so. and now I, and now I have time. Now yeah. I have time to plan a response. Mmm, <laughs> yummy. Because there's no way that this, this, even if we were to stretch this episode, there's no way we're gonna finish this um, in a short period of time. I have plans. Okay, so, so anyways, <laughs> if you like us, you can find us on the internet. We're on such places as Twitter and Instagram at Hapless Heroes. We're also on Facebook and Reddit. Just look for Hapless Heroes Podcast. Those places, though, contain all the information you need to really join us where we hang out actually pretty much all the time. Our Discord server. Uh, we got a wonderful community of listeners and in there, and uh, the whole cast is, is there, too. You know, Drop on in, say hi, join our burgeoning and growing um, group of nerds and D&D enthusiasts alike. Um, those are probably synonymous actually I didn't even have to split those up at all but you get what I'm saying uh, yeah it's great you should you should really hang out with us we got a lot of cool 
cool little channels and discussion groups and all that stuff. It's just, it's a great place to hang out. But if you really like us, you can leave us a five-star review on the podcast service of your choice. It just really means a lot to us to see all the kind words you guys have you know, poured in about this show over the many years that we've been doing it. And um, I promise you, we'll say some right, real nice words right back to you right here on the air. But if you really, really like us, you can donate to our Patreon. Just patreon.com slash heroes. We have lots of great awards, including behind-the-scenes audio and bloopers, some of which were recorded this very evening because we were laughing like crazy before we even started rolling for this episode. So, you know, just all those little candid moments, unreleased episodes, shiny rolls on our Discord server, James's note, but we have so many different reward tiers on there. Um, I'd urge you to check it out. It really helps us just keep the show running, you know, you know, whether it's recouping, you know, the money spent on all the equipment we have to hopefully maybe one day throwing a pizza party for all of the, you know, wonderful cast members here who worked so hard to make this show a thing. Or even a virtual pizza party where we'll order pizza for everybody individually and send them each a slice. (laughs) Personal pan pizzas. Who knows? But yeah, but in all seriousness, no, I mean, it pays our hosting costs. It goes a long way. And we cannot thank all of you enough for donating your hard-earned dollars to the show. We promise we'll make it worth it. Thank you. But if you really like us, I mean, like, really, really like us, like Sally Field and the whole deal, uh, start an 80s hair metal cover band except the only song you're going to be covering is umpteen different versions of the Hapless Heroes theme song. And you're going to play them every which way, as long as it's 80s themed. And you're going to make every song's lyrics about how people should listen to our show. And you're just going to wear them out with the Hapless Heroes theme song until they are compelled to listen to this show. Through the power of the 80s or through the power of the lyrics? Yes. Volcano Los Dos. (laughs) Anyways, uh, let's go ahead and outro our cast like we do every time. Starting on my virtual right this time, we had John playing Lord Gerald Light. You are going to pay for what you've done to this city. Phil as Hedrick the Entertainer. Man, this, this Bronson's being a real bitch. Nicole as Boris the Butcher. This guy with no head's kind of freaking me out. Mike as Lord and Captain Quinn Southwind. I love making the baddies glow purple. And Dave as Zero, Valen's Avatar of War. Good evening, everyone. And I'm Francesco. I've been your host and DM. Tune in next time for part three of this epic combat. We'll see you then. Bye. 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 Goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.